Hey folks, my name is Jason Spies and I travel across these great states talking to small business owners, CEOs, policymakers, musicians and mentors about making money, giving back and balancing life. I find out how they prioritize professional and personal time while still making money. Yes indeed, our guests are real heavyweights in understanding business and life. So get ready to relax, learn a little bit, and get a cup of coffee ready because my name is Jason Spies and this is Coffee and Capitalism Radio. Sitting on a million, sitting on it every day. Can't make no money giving your stuff away. Why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market. You can make a million too. Welcome to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies and I'm your host today. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation. Coffee and Capitalism brings you exclusive interviews and distinct content from leaders who drive our economy. From CEOs to small business owners to mentors, Coffee and Capitalism is a leader in innovation, ideas, and inspiration. Coffee and Capitalism is about balancing your life and your family and your work and all that stuff together because if you got a mortgage or a student loan or any kind of car payment, you are cash flow in your life just like a business cash flows. So here we try to balance it all together. And let me tell you about today's program that we got lined up for you. Rob Ryan, Roaring Lions Ranch. He's currently raising entrepreneurs. Rob Ryan is up there with Bill Gates and Steve Jobs in terms of the uh, tech revolutionists. He was one of the guys that invented the internet, the local area network. So he's a multi-billionaire. And uh, we talk with him a little bit later on about raising entrepreneurs. And then we transition into Magna Beerus Oil, Nicholas Beerus, the owner. He explains how their unique business model allows for companies to drill wells for 75,000 bucks. And then we talk a little bison. Kevin Lear, Heartland Bison Ranch, discusses the roller coaster of the bison industry in North Dakota, the region, and the nation. And then Dale Brown, speaker and former NCAA coach, legend in basketball. Dale Brown, he talks about some good mentorship topics as well as uh, much more. A little bit later on in the program, Dale Brown. Plus the music of Moody River Band throughout the program. All that plus much more on today's episode of Coffee and Capitalism Radio. My name is Jason Spies and this is Coffee and Capitalism Radio heard in the Crude Life Media Network. Over the past few months, I've told you about how unbelievable Hatch coaching is. Don't just take my word for it. Listen to what Christy Huber, president of the United Way of Cass Clay, says about Hatch coaching. I think it's a really exciting time for our young leaders today because um, leaders like Eric Hatch are changing the face of what it means to lead an organization or what it means to lead a brand. He's changing that. For many years, I think that the, the gold standard of leadership has been somebody who is very polished and has it all together or seemingly has it all together and throughout the years. Um, I think that we've now, especially with technology and social media, we are drawn to what's real. To find out more about Hatch Coaching or to have Eric Hatch speak at your event or company, visit HatchCoaching.com. That's HatchCoaching.com. Or call 701-212-1572. That's 701-212-1572. Welcome back to 
Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Rob Ryan with the Roaring Lions Ranch. So the dream I have is to impact the United States through entrepreneurship, to have millions of entrepreneurs spread out through the uh, United States, but not in areas that already have entrepreneurs like Silicon Valley and Boston. Those already have engines of entrepreneurship. I'm looking to do it through the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the dream is to do it in the Buffaloes, the Rockton, Illinois, the Detroits, you know, the places that would, would be good to have them. Sure. You know, um, Grassroots entrepreneurship. Grassroots entrepreneurship. Okay. And I work with mostly entrepreneurs that don't have fancy degrees and fancy diplomas, but have a work ethic, and they know how to build uh, businesses. And they're off, you know, doing that, and we help them. What would you say your background is primarily? Um, my background, educationally, is math and physics, you know, so science background. But then I became an entrepreneur, and I've grown several multi-billion-dollar companies from scratch. So I've, <laughs> I've developed a process uh, on how to grow a company from scratch to billions of, of dollars, and I've done it several times, four times. So it's not, you could call the first one perhaps accident, but it's hard to, to call all of them, mm-hmm. you know, accidents. That's interesting, your background, science and math, I think right away, linear thinker, okay? Somebody who's good with organization, somebody who's good at that, but to be, to, you need sales somehow, and that takes an abstract-minded person. Do you possess both, or do you just surround yourself with uh, the, the uh, compliment? No, I, I possess both. Okay, because they, yeah. they are out there. You know. yeah, yeah, I absolutely possess both. Um, I think people would tell you that I'm an incredibly creative uh, person and sort of model things across many dimensions, but I'm also capable of going into relationship selling and, and you know, marketing and sales on that, in that mm-hmm. fashion. And that's sort of left brain, right brain, two, two skills exactly. that, are, that are unified. Um, I think to be a, a great entrepreneur, you have to ha- have that ability. I agree. Um, you have to be able to model things and then at the same time do the relationships you know, at, the, at the same time. And I said, yeah, I do have that. I look for that in my entrepreneurs as well. Where does family play into the uh, uh, entrepreneur game? Uh, family, you know, my wife and I have been married for 45 years. We got married in school, you know, as undergraduates in, in school, and she's been you know, with me through everything. She's sort of the half that keeps me out of trouble. She's a lawyer, and she keeps me out of trouble. I, 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 in 45 years, I've never actually read a legal brief, and as David would actually tell you. You know, and I always tell people if Terry's name isn't on it, then forget about giving it to me because there's no way I'm going to read it or even sign it in a million years. I, I didn't realize she literally kept you out of trouble. Oh, kept, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've stayed remarkably free from you know trouble because she reads everything and, and understands everything. So we're a team. You know? And my entrepreneurs become like children. You know, they, I become Uncle Rod to their children. Entrepreneurs all over the country. Uh, so it's, it's been a real passion. What are some key indicators for entrepreneurs to look for in today's economy? You know, um, the, the things that I look for in today's economy, or yesterday's economy, or the future economies, is kind of two car- two kinds of categories of things. One is the sort of a a category of hero hero leadership kind of characteristics that I look for in people. 
And the other is we have a, uh, a process which starts with understanding what you're good at. We call them core competencies. And we don't, I don't fixate on what your idea or product is. Okay? I fixate on what are you good at? What are the core competencies that you have that are unique or your team has? So I compete through. To listen to the full-length interview with Rob Ryan with the Roaring Lion Ranch or to listen to other Coffee and Capitalism features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coffee and Capitalism Radio is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. All those social media links are available at thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. Hey folks, I want to take a quick second to tell you just in time for summer, the Crude Life t-shirts are now on shale. Three different designs available. Show your support for the industry and become an energy enthusiast by living the crude life. Visit thecrudelife.com and click on the t-shirts now on shale. That's the Crude Life t-shirts now on shale. Peace, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Speece. No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Jason Speece is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. <laughs> this is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? Nothing. You need a raise. Welcome back to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Nicholas Beerus with Magna Beerus Oil. Thank you for joining us here today on the Crude Life Media Network. We're tracking down some other shale plays, of course, the Permian, the Bakken, the Eagleford, Niobrara, Hainsworth. These are ones that end up in the news all the time, but very little times do the Indiana-Kentucky shale plays make the news, and so... Uh, we brought in a very good expert for that to kind of give us an idea of what's happening down there. And um, Nicholas, Nicholas Burris, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How you doing from the Illinois Basin? Illinois Basin, that's what it was. I, I thought it was, but then with Kentucky and uh, Indiana and uh, the states, I kind of got messed up a little bit. And so I thought I'd, I was going to ask you, but you are in the Illinois Basin? Yeah, the Illinois Basin actually runs out from the top of Illinois all the way down through Kentucky, and uh, right now we are developing the southern portion of the Illinois Basin, which is around the Kentucky-Indiana border. Tell me a little bit about that basin. Uh, I don't know if you're an expert on it, but you've been there for a little while, so I imagine that uh, you're at least more than a novice at it. But uh, what what kind of rock are you guys trying to break open? Is it horizontal, horizontal, vertical? What's going on? Well, they're horizontal drills, but they are uh, through limestone, and basically it's a very porous limestone. It's a little bit different than Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, it's shallower drills, but we have a lot better success. Uh, I think around Texas, Oklahoma, you can figure out a 30 to 40% success rate. Right now, the last three years, we haven't missed, but for the area, it's about 85%. 
85%, that's pretty good. Do you know how that stacks up to say some of the other shale plays? Tell me about your company. Uh, it seems like you're an oil and gas company, but uh, how, how much down the stream do you go and what type of uh, things are you looking for, et cetera? Well, we're a little bit different than most people. Uh, I guess we're a little bit different than most oil companies because we are actually, uh, we don't have employees in our company. We work a little bit differently. Everybody that we have involved in this company owns their own business. They're a family-run, operated uh system. They've been in business at least 20 years each one. We have a driller, we have a completion crew, we have a cement crew, we have a uh, chemical crew, all of them are their own business. And what we have done is combined efforts to create Magnaburz Oil. And actually the person that comes in and does dealings with us owns the well. Uh, we have leases that are available. As long as they drill a couple of wells on the leases, we actually give the person the lease themselves. So they're basically going into their own oil business. They own the lease, they own the wells, they make the decisions on it after it's drilled. It's, they don't like what we're doing, they can fire us and get somebody else. That's totally up to them because it's 100% their well. Uh, everybody gets 100% working interest in it, that includes the lease, and they get 75% net revenue interest, and the landowner gets 15 we keep a little bit for the work we do on it. But basically when people come to us, they're actually coming to us to own their own wells and have us do the work for them. That's the way you got to look at it. So that's, that's pretty neat. Family-run businesses, independent contractors, if you will, working together collectively to form, you know, a company. It's almost like Monty Python. You get five professional writers, comedic writers, they put together, and and you got uh, kind of an identity going forward. A um, lot of advantages there. And um, talk to me about that model and how that is really separating you guys apart from the traditional oil and gas companies because just by the way your company's structured, you're going to have um, some some different uh, ways about doing business, some different costs, if you will. And I imagine it's going to be more on the economic side. What, what, am I um, thinking the right way there? Oh, you're positively right. Right now we can drill a well in the Illinois Basin, an area we're working right now for about $75,000. And that's unprecedented for this area or anywhere else. Most people try to charge between hundred twenty dollars and $150,000 drill a well only because of their overhead and the expenses they have to you know, take on to open up a business. We don't have the overhead. You are charged exactly what the contracting company charges for. If, if a big, if Sunoco would come down here, which they've done before and they wanted to drill a well, you get charged exactly what Sunoco would get charged. So you're basically getting wholesale pricing for the wells and uh, because you own them. Uh, we don't have ownership. We have, well, let me rephrase it. We have a little bit of ownership because we keep it, but the working interest ownership all goes to the individual person that drills here. And uh, you've got the experts. We give you reports on what we want to do. If you decide you don't want to do it, all you have to do is say, no, I don't want to go that route, and we don't go that route. 
So you don't even, there's no middleman telling you what to do or what not to do. Even when you get paid your revenue, it doesn't come to us first and we take fees out of it and then send you the leftover. Uh, when when the fees go out, Sunoco, who buys our oil right now for their pipeline in the eastern Kentucky area, uh, it goes straight to the Sunoco pipeline. Sunoco sends the individual owner a check right from Sunoco. So it doesn't even touch our hands, which gives a great advantage to people that don't want to have to pay expensive fees. I imagine you guys are seeing good returns. Well, uh, you know, there, there's only one person up in the sky to know if there's three feet in front of a drill bit, but the last few wells that we've drilled, uh, the company's seen a good, probably 50 to 60% return, if not more, per year, and that'll last for a couple years, and then there'll be a 7% decline after that, but uh, it was a pretty good return for them. Uh, can't promise returns, but... I can tell you that we've had good success in the Illinois Basin so far. We've got a lot of public companies coming our way and a lot of individuals that were in Texas and Oklahoma that are seeing the light and are coming here. So I'd say the success rate is pretty good. Yeah, obviously in oil and gas, you got to be very, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, bold about saying that uh, there's no return, no guarantees, I guess, because, uh, boy, I tell you, uh, sometimes the excitement can uh, really get caught up pretty quick. Um, let me let me ask you about how companies can get in touch with you if they want to know more information. Of course, they you hear seventy five thousand, and that's a really low price point. Um, and then you you hear about some of the returns, and and those are good returns that you guys are getting. And just kind of the model, I think, what might intrigue some people too. So. Just based on the last you know five ten minutes, I, I can think of four or five six reasons why somebody might just want to contact you to find out more about what you guys are doing. I mean, how I don't know how in-depth you get with sharing what you guys are doing or not, but uh, I know you're looking for places to drill, so uh, what? how do people contact you guys? Well, it's real easy to contact. I'm going to make a comment about what you just said to you after I say it, but if you just go to our website, which is magnaburrsoil.com, and it's M-A-G-N-A-E-R-E-S, oil.com, our phone number's right on the website. You can learn a little bit about our company and see what we're doing. But I wanted to kind of reiterate something that you said because there is a big difference in the leases here in the Illinois Basin than in uh, Texas and Oklahoma. And it's one of the reasons that people are coming this way. Out in the Illinois, uh, not Illinois, I'm sorry, but out in Texas and Oklahoma, they have what are called anticlinal traps, which are basically like pools that are underneath the ground. Here in the Illinois Basin, we have what are called salt traps. And what makes it easier for us to deal things here is you can take a 100-acre lease and you can only put two wells on it in Oklahoma and Texas, and you can put a well every 450 feet apart here. And I also know that the reason we can actually do it so cheap here is because the bonding requirements down in Oklahoma, I know, are twenty or $30,000 just to drill a well. Here it's just $10 a foot. So if we're only going, you know, 1,200 feet down, you can multiply that by 10. That's the only bond requirements there are for the Illinois Basin. So that's why a lot of the bigger companies are not coming this way because they can drill three or four wells for the price of drilling one up there in Oklahoma and uh, in Texas. And down here, they've got three or four chances to hit that are just one. So that's why a lot of the bigger companies are coming our way now. Well, one of the questions I do like to ask people is, uh, you know, the oil and gas industry can be pretty complex, but at the same time, it can be pretty specific, too. And so... Um, you know, who is your customer? Who is it that you guys are trying to ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, do business with? Well, right now we've got individual uh, people that come down. We've got corporations that have come down. We've got publicly traded companies that come down. Basically, anybody that wants to come. To listen to the full-length interview with Nicholas Beerus with Magna Beerus Oil or to listen to other 
Coffee and Capitalism features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coffee and Capitalism Radio is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. All of those social media links are available at thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. The music on today's program is written and performed by the Moody River Band. For more information on the Moody River Band, their links, and their music, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com, and click on the Musicians tab. This is the Moody River Band. I'm walking, I'm talking, I'm smoking, I'm joking. Over the past few months, I've told you about how unbelievable hatch coaching is. Don't just take my word for it. Listen to what Christy Huber, president of the United Way of Cass Clay, says about hatch coaching. I think it's a really exciting time for our young leaders today because um, leaders like Eric Hatch are changing the face of what it means to lead an organization or what it means to lead a brand. He's changing that. For many years, I think that the, the gold standard of leadership has been somebody who is very polished and has it all together or seemingly has it all together and throughout the years. Um, I think that we've now, especially with technology and social media, we are drawn to what's real. To find out more about Hatch Coaching or to have Eric Hatch speak at your event or company, visit HatchCoaching.com. That's HatchCoaching.com. Or call 701-212-1572. That's 701-212-1572. Hey, folks, I want to take a quick second to tell you just in time for summer, the Crude Life t-shirts are now on shale. Three different designs available. Show your support for the industry and become an energy enthusiast by living the crude life. Visit thecrudelife.com and click on the t-shirts now on shale. That's the Crude Life t-shirts now on shale. Welcome back to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Kevin Lear with Heartland Bison Ranch. Bison and Buffalo, let's uh, talk about that a little bit. Now, first of all, there, there is there is a difference between the two, isn't there? Well, there is. I mean, in, in technical terms, there is a difference between bison and buffalo. Uh, you know, typically, you're, a buffalo would be like a, a water buffalo you're going to find in Africa. And then bison is what the actual name is for the North American bison that you find on the Great Plains and up into Canada in uh, North America. So right now in the industry, it's it's gone on so long where it's basically an interchangeable word where you'll see bison and buffalo and basically people think it's the same thing. So the technical term is bison, um, but most people know what you're talking about when you say buffalo too. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about that. Now, you mentioned you're a, a co-operator or a owner at uh, the uh, Heartland Bison Ranch. Is that right? Yep, Heartland Bison Ranch. Yep, right in uh, kind of like north central North Dakota, right over by Rugby. Um, so yeah, we've been in, for for our our ranch. We've been raising bison since 1996. Um, so we got into it um, when things in, in terms of agriculture in 96, 97, 98. Those were, I mean, bison market was looking really good. Um, and I think it was just a little bit before its time because by the late 1990s and specifically into the early 2000s, the market uh, took a pretty big hit and came came down drastically. And when that happened, 
there was a number of ranchers in, in North Dakota who, you know, the economics of the ranching bison just wasn't working for them anymore, so they had to shift gears. And, and at that same time, cattle prices were coming back up, commodity prices were coming back up, and so we saw a lot of guys shift away from raising bison to going back to more traditional agricultural um, outputs that were uh, a little more economical for them. But uh, now, you know, fast forward to today, uh, the market's basically right now we can say that the market is in the strongest position it's ever been in you know in modern history for the bison industry. I'm curious about the market because you know there's, bison is not uh, anywhere near ground beef, of course. And when you think of bison, you know you go to the grocery store. There's maybe one or two tubes of it if you can find it, and it's generally in a freezer freezer aisle, you know. And so when I when when I think of bison, I think of uh, obviously, the the health food stores and some of the higher end restaurants. Is there a kind of a, a national type of a, a a bison place where it all goes to, or do you got to send it all over the different places, the different restaurants and different? Pl- yeah, so there's a, there's kind of like there's there's a number of slaughterhouses that specifically are geared towards bison. Um, there's one right here in North Dakota, actually, it's the North American Bison um, Cooperative, which is. Uh, in New Rockford, North Dakota, and they're a hundred percent bison processing facility, and um, and so you know they hit national supply chains um, with their product after it's been you know fabricated to an actual end end product for consumption. But yeah, you're right. It's it, it, it's hard to find it in, in retail grocery stores, depending on where you go. I mean, there are bison products in Kroger's, Walmart used to carry it, but I actually think Walmart might not be carrying it anymore because of um, they just couldn't get enough of of the supply and that is that's the number one thing that as an industry we're looking at right now is how do we grow the herd to be able to fill up the supply um because our demand for the product is is just through the roof and that's what's keeping the price relatively pretty high when you go to a grocery store i think sometimes people get sticker shock when they look at that but then you know you think well why why are we why haven't we really hit that ceiling yet um in terms of our price point why haven't Things started to level off, and and what we're seeing on, on on our side of the industry is it's a it's basically the healthiest red meat you can eat on the planet. Um, when you look at what it has for you know good fats versus bad fats, you're talking iron content, omega threes, the just the protein source in general, um, it's it's super good for you. And so when you look at people and and, and dietary consumption of red meat and how they're switching up diet for this new kind of health-conscious generation of Americans, what we're seeing for a consumer trend is people maybe are eating a little bit less red protein, but in in terms of eating a little bit less, they're willing to pay a little bit more for a higher quality of a product. But just to give you an idea, um, you know, kind of, I've had this conversation with people before, and they say, well, well, you guys are going to be in competition with the beef market. And, And what I say to that is, nope, I don't think we'll ever be in competition with the beef market because when you look at what the beef market does in the United States um, in one day the beef market in the United States will process twice as many bison or twice as many cattle as the bison industry will do under USDA federal inspection in a year right now we're processing about 60 to 61,000 head of bison under USDA inspection in a year versus you know 105 110 depending on the day for beef, beef cattle in the United States. So the, the difference in scale for both industries is, is completely, I mean, completely different. So we're a niche market for sure in the, in the protein sector. And what we found is 
there's a lot of people who really like the product that's coming out um, from the Bison industry, and that's keeping our our demand incredibly high. So one of the one of the things that we do, like on the national level, um, they, because our industry is relatively small, you can kind of get a pretty good pulse on what's going on. And uh, when they survey like our commercial meat marketers, like our big meat processors for for our industry, which would be North Dakota's. Um, processing facility. There's a big processor down in uh, Brush, Colorado, uh, Rocky Mountain Natural Meats. Um, there's another one in Rapid City, Western Buffalo Company. Um, when they start surveying those guys, they do it twice a year from the National Association. Um, and they survey them and ask them, you know, based on what you're getting for supply, based on what you're getting for, for inquiries for your product, where are you at in terms of meeting your supply? And overall, the trend is they think that they could supply today at today's prices right now if they had 20% more product on the rail ready to be fabricated, they would have no problem moving that. Um, and so that's, that's a substantial shift, you know, if you think about 20% more for our for our industry. But, you know, it, that takes a lot to get that many more animals on online just because of the, the uh, biology of the animal itself. You know, we have an extra year that it takes our females to get to production age. Um, they typically don't finish as fast as beef cattle, so we have a little bit more inputs into them to get them to a finished weight where they can be processed, you know, economically speaking, you know, making as much money off that animal as you can as a rancher. So, so there's a lot of really bright spots right now in our industry, and, and for the first time, you know, the last, you know, seven, eight years, our, our growth trend is being driven by the, the demand for the finished product, which is bison meat. Um, I think, you know, back in the late 90s, it was a little more inflated um, in terms of they thought that there was going to be this big push for the product, but the demand wasn't there yet. And so it almost had to go through a natural cycle of just, you know, pure economics that it was overpriced. And so everything kind of <laughs> hit the basement floor. And when that happened, the price of specifically ground bison came down so low that people were like, yeah, why not? I'll try it you know, and, and see what it's like because it was, you know, one time it was like half of what it was for a pound of beef. So, and then once people started eating it and liking it, and they liked the taste and it wasn't like this wild game animal thing that they were kind of had a vision of and, and then all of a sudden it came roaring back. So we're riding that wave of opportunity now. So how many cows are there in a bison? Like, well, I don't know. I can tell you the exact number of, of production females right now. Um, but, like, if you look, like, Canada and the United States together, if you look at the collective herd size, that would be between private ranchers, um, state parks, um, and your, your tribe. To listen to the full-length interview with Kevin Lear with the Heartland Bison Ranch or to listen to other Copying Capitalism features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Copying Capitalism Radio is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. All those social media links are available at thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Copying Capitalism Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. Music on today's program is written and performed by the Moody River Band. For more information on the Moody River Band, their links, and their music, 
Visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com and click on the Musicians tab. This is the Moody River Band. Over the past few months, I've told you about how unbelievable Hatch coaching is. Well, don't just take my word for it. Listen to what Greg Tavine of Emerging Prairies has to say about Hatch coaching. Yeah, I mean, this guy gets people laughing. He gets people thinking. He, he's somebody that challenges and inspires. And, and what I think is so beautiful about Eric is he's real. I think the number one thing that I look for in speakers when we bring them into our platforms is that they're that person 365 days a year. Eric is not just a speaker on a stage. That's, that's who he is at the grocery store. That's who he is when he's at the mall. Uh, but, but Eric is somebody that lives his values each and every day. And I, I think we can all respect that. To find out more about Hatch Coaching or to have Eric Hatch speak at your event or company, visit HatchCoaching.com. That's HatchCoaching.com. Or call 701-212-1572. That's 701-212-1572. Hey, folks, I want to take a quick second to tell you just in time for summer, the Crude Life t-shirts are now on shale. Three different designs available. Show your support for the industry and become an energy enthusiast by living the crude life. Visit thecrudelife.com and click on the t-shirts now on shale. That's the Crude Life t-shirts, now on shale. Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Welcome back to Copying Capitalism Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Dale Brown, former NCAA coach for Louisiana State University and current speaker. Most people know about your sports background, but what about your family? Kind of simple. Two days before I was born, in the frigid Halloween of 1935, my so-called father abandoned my mother and two older sisters. Never called, never wrote, never sent us any money, never came back. I had a beautiful mother. Came off a farm in Berthold, eighth grade education. Moved into a one-room apartment above a bar and a hardware store. Had to go on welfare and then get a job as a domestic in babysitting. But that mama was a wonderful teacher and one of the most pathologically honest people I've ever met. So as hard as it sounds now, it really wasn't that tough because I had a good person, a good example inside the house. How did people view you, say, when you were at LSU being from North Dakota? When you mentioned you were from North Dakota, what was the reaction people gave you? Two things that I remember. Number one, they would say South Dakota. Number two, they would say me not. And then I think probably uh, the biggest eye-opener I had, we were the Final Four one year. There were three Final Four coaches up there that had all worked for legends at Duke, at uh, Kansas, at UCLA, working for three legendary coaches. And the media asked them a question, 
Wasn't that a tremendous advantage, playing and working under a legendary coach? Then they quit, and I'm at the end of the table. And I raised my hand. I said, does anyone want to ask me a question about me, my career at Minot State Teachers College, playing under Herb Parker? And I wasn't being facetious. I really, I thought, that's really rude mm-hmm. that they didn't ask. So one guy finally, yeah, I'd like to ask you. So it was kind of a, a no-name guy from a no-place. Nobody and nobody could spell the capital. They didn't know the capital, but if they did get it, they always spelled it B-I-S-M-A-R-K. Mm-hmm. Has that <clears throat> changed at all since the oil activity out here in North Dakota? I think it has. No question about that. It's kind of a... Alaska was not all that popular until the gold rush, like the Black Hills in South Dakota. But right now, anybody that does not know about North Dakota, they're in a coma or they died yesterday. I mean... How important is longevity of a coaching staff or leadership team within an organization? It's almost impossible to happen now. We're looking for the immediate gratification syndrome. For example, let me give you an analogy. John Wooden, Mm -hmm. the greatest coach that ever won 10 national championships. Do you know he was at UCLA 13 years before he ever went to a Final Four? Had it been modern times, John Wooden would have been fired. And that's administrators and a great number of fans that are too greedy for victory, that they're not concerned about the character that's going on in the program. So it's immediate gratification syndrome. How, how does a coach overcome that? I, I look at uh, North Dakota State, Amy Rooley, mm-hmm. women's basketball, mm-hmm. one of the greatest. I know her. Pro, yeah, one of the best programs, right. and she attributes that to right. longevity of right. coaching staff. How can yeah. coaches or even people within a working organization overcome that? Because longevity seems to equal success. No question. And that, that's, that's a pretty profound question, yeah. It's fairly simple. <clears throat> if you do not have a strong leader with good ethical background that sees that it takes time to build a program, and then when you build the program, you're going to have up and downs. There's nobody that ever sh- continues to rise. And strong leadership's missing in many areas. It's missing, missing in, the, in Wall Street. It's missing in politics. It's missing on universities. And oftentimes that leadership is missing in home. And I said earlier that uh, the role of most leaders is to get the people to think more of the leader. But the role of the exceptional leader is to get the people to think more of themselves. We really have a leadership problem in most of the businesses and in politics in this country. The, great, the greatness of this country was the fact that we had great leaders. And now there's pressure on people to win, get money, do this, cut the system down. The Bernie Madoffs, blah, 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 goes on. We've lost our moral compass. To listen to the full-length interview with Dale Brown, motivational speaker and former NCAA coaching legend, or listen to other Coffee and Capitalism features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Music on today's program is written and performed by the Moody River Band. For more information on the Moody River Band, their links, and their music, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com, and click on the Musicians tab. This is the Moody River Band.
Giving your stuff away, why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market, you can make a million too. Many's a crooked woman, diamonds on every hand, tricking mother for you everywhere she lands, why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do Put your stuff on the market Or you can make a million too Jump over the candlestick. Why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market. You can make a million too. And that concludes this week's episode of Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. For a full list of today's guest and interview, visit our website, thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. We'll be back next week on this radio station at this time. For a full list of our radio affiliates and other media partners, please visit our website, thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and from the staff here at Coffee and Capitalism Radio, we're asking you to be happy, make money, and give back. Thanks for joining us this week, folks. Sign on our front porch saying, hot stuff will say, why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market. You can make a million, too. Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. <laughs> this is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? Nothing. You need a raise.
Hey folks, I want to take a quick second to tell you just in time for summer, the Crude Life t-shirts are now on shale. Three different designs available. Show your support for the industry and become an energy enthusiast by living the crude life. Visit thecrudelife.com and click on the t-shirts now on shale. That's the Crude Life t-shirts now on shale.